Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. the paddle and fin podcast this is your host ricketts you're listening to the mixed bag tonight i got two guests with me tonight the one and only josh eldridge josh how's it going big boy i'm doing well how are you doing good man uh we have a lot to talk about this big show we want to introduce our special guest jay gibson aka I've been working on the railroad, a.k.a. tall and handsome, a.k.a. the Indiana stick, a.k.a. 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 It's Jordan Gibson, everybody. Welcome, Jordan. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure, buddy. We uh, we have, uh, I guess the appropriate word would be like huge affection for you, man, because uh, just to hear locally what you do, how you rep the shop and how you just rep kayak fishing in general it's it's awesome bro so it's actually our pleasure to have you on the podcast because you do so much around here you're such a stand-up dude man and you ask for nothing in return so i know you're a fan of the podcast it was no-brainer let's bring you on let's have you on here and talk about you man because you 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 talk about us enough so now we're returning the favor brother we're glad to to have you on here well boys i really appreciate you having me on too and big fan of the podcast and it's an honor to be on here with you guys oh thank you man so lots to talk about today. We wrapped up the first day of the Cincinnati Travel Sport and Boat Show. I think, you know, one of the main attractions, Chad Hoover. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. You know, I when you see the dude online, you you kind of have a perception of what you think he is like, right? Because you're only 
I mean, you see him on you you see him on sometimes on Facebook, you see him on YouTube, and you kind of get a general feel for how you think somebody is. And then you meet him in person, they're completely different. I, for one, was blown away. I thought he was like, in person, he's a thousand times nicer and a thousand times more like people oriented. And I was super pumped up. Well, what did you guys think about that? Go ahead, Josh. Um, yeah, I was under the same impression. Um, you know, he came up to us and, you know, obviously Chad's a, a busy dude. He's there for, to give those seminars, got to hang out in our booth. Um, you know, since we carry Bonafide, that was sort of expected, you know, uh, not expected he had hang out with us, but you know, he, he paddles Bonafide. And so I had a lot of good conversation with him. Uh, it was a lot of small talk, but it was just like meeting any other kayak angler, you know? And yeah. I think that's kind of important nowadays that people kind of keep that, um, you know, they, they may get a little bit of fame. They may become real popular here or there, but you know, it, it wasn't something that I felt had gone to his head or anything like that. You know, he was just like talking to anybody else. He was just like talking to Jordan. I, you know, we talked about some bonafide boats, what we like, you know, things we dislike and, you know, I asked him about what it was like doing seminars like this. And, you know, he said, uh, it's, uh, he, he, you know, completely enjoys doing things like that. And it's cool because you could kind of see if you do so many of those things, it probably could get kind of annoying being the same, you know, repeating the same things over and over and over again. For sure. And, uh, you know, he really seems to get an enjoyment by interacting with people who have an interest in the sport, you know, and, it was cool seeing him up there, seeing him stand the whole time while he's answering questions in the boat. You know, people are like, hey, is that boat, you know, stable? And he's like, look, I'm in this thing, you know, and, right, it, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And I had <clears throat> uh, it was a pleasure meeting the guy, you know, uh, definitely, definitely not what I expected. Um, and I was in a good way. surprised. Yeah, in a good in, way. In a good way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not as tall as I thought he would be. Jordan, you're pretty tall. What are you like, 6'2", 6'3"? Yes, like six three, yeah. Right. So I'm five eight. If I wear tall shoes, five nine. <laughs> Chad was Chad's probably sitting about five eleven, right? What'd you guys think? Maybe six foot? Yeah, I'd say probably somewhere around there, but you know, it's like seeing those videos of Chad back in the day, you know, before he lost all that weight. He was a big dude, you know. Big so boy. Yeah. you know, still, you know, he's still a pretty big guy. And to see him standing up around that bottom fight, you know. Got me all interested back in the bonafide again because when I demoed it that day on the Miami, the Miami was rough. So I really yeah. couldn't get an idea. But he's like, you know, I'm just up here having a good time, you know, talking and standing on this thing. You know, I don't have the best sea legs either, you know. So I was like, heck, I'm demoing one of those things again and give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. I told you, Jordan, that that bonafide was no joke. I was, I, when we first uh, brought bonafide on, I took it on the Ohio River, flooded. It was 40-something feet, and it had pretty nice current, and not once did I feel like I was going to fall out. Had the dry gear on, vest tightened up, uh, no gear other than a paddle. And I said, okay, we're going to take this out here, and we're going to see if, if this lives up to the hype. And I said, hey, Bonafide's got something here, boys, you know. So for sure, man, great boat. Uh, so we'll get back to the show in a minute. We have, I know, a ton to talk about. I'm kind of all over the place because as soon as I left the show, I've been, you know, kids are like oh i'm hungry i love you i want ice cream so i had to deal with all that <laughs> so jordan uh you and i and josh we definitely have a lot in common uh, i think we've all been hunting before i think you still actively hunt is that correct oh, uh, yes sir cool 
Uh, you know, I like busting some caps. Uh, I have, you know, pretty nice collection. I like to do that. I think you like to do this as well. Are you more into like the gun season when it comes to hunting or are you into archery? Well, like what's your, what's your bag? Buddy, I'm a, I'm an archery nut. Um, are you? Huge bow hunter, bow shooting. I'm actually the assistant coach of the Union County High School archery team this year. Nice. Um, it's super fun, man. It's just, it's a different challenge. You know, nothing against gun hunting, but it's, you know, it's, you know, like Chad Hoover was talking about today, you know, it's like, you know, you got in a bass boat, you can cover 20 miles of water. You know, you go out in a kayak, you got to be strategic about your hunt, how you hunt or how you fish. Same with bow hunting. You know, you go bow hunting, you need to know where those deer are, have your homework done, you know, and it's more of a challenge to me. And that's what I enjoy about it. And it's just another, it's just, I don't know, I feel more one with the outdoors when I'm bow hunting because it's more, more primitive. But, you know, you say primitive, but you got these bows nowadays that have got more technology than, you know, most things out there. But still, um, yeah. Nothing against picking up a boomstick and going to bust one, though. But um, I prefer bow hunting for sure. I have next to no knowledge of bow hunting. I've shot bow. I was considering myself a decent shot, but I was probably terrible, right? Uh, I, I missed the first deer I ever shot with at a bow because I couldn't tell how far it was away. If it was 20 yards or 30 yards or 40 yards, I was like, oh, 20. No, it was not 20. Yeah. But, uh, Josh, what about you, man? Do, do you bow hunt? Um, I am not much of a hunter. I have um, the gear to do it. I have a bow, a nice tree stand, a bunch of camo, and um, this whole fishing thing's kind of taken over. So, I oh, have, I've, right. yeah, I mean, I've been out a few times, but I actually haven't even been out in my tree stand. I have a brand new uh, tree stand that's never even been used, like a climber, and I need to get back. I need to get into it. It's just kind of, it, this is kind of how I look at it, man. The fishing thing takes over so much from spring till fall that it's, you know, it's something that it's important is make sure I make family time and to pick up another hobby like that for me. Right. Um, I just, I don't need to make the wife any angrier than she is sometimes. So <laughs> like with my wife, the one time she gets all bent about going hunting is when she can't go too. She's just as into the outdoors as I am and That's fishing amazing. and kayaking and hunting. So it's a great time. That is a great time. So coaching, tell me about that, man. Like what's involved with, with coaching archery. And also I think for, for some people who may be interested in, in arching archery, uh, Jay Randall's a big archery guy too. And he does, I think like, don't, don't hang me here, Jay, but I think he does uh, like 3D targets maybe or yeah. something on the lines of that. And I could be way wrong about that, but I know he likes to shoot bows. And I think that's one of his passions. So, I'm, dude, I'm brand new. So what like what bow setups, what arrows, what broadheads? Coach me. What would you it's, do? It's kind of like fishing, man. I mean, like, you know, you, you can start out as expensive as you want to or as cheap as you want to. And it just the most important thing is get out there. You know, look look at what your budget is. You know, I mean, safety gear, just like anything else, you know, your, your harness, you know, a good tree stand, you know, a $200 shotgun from Walmart or a $3,000 rifle from, you know, Gander Outdoors or whatever, it's going to kill a deer dead, you know, if you're going gun hunting. Same with a bow. I mean, that $200 bow from Walmart is going to kill it deader than, you know, just as good as that $1,500 Bowtech bow. Um, so it's it's mainly just go kind of like kayak fishing, just go shoot one, try them, see what you, see what you like. But, you know, I mean, just get out there and do it. Um, with bow hunting, a lot of frustration comes into when you're new because, you know, it's like, oh, pick up a gun, get it sighted in. Yeah, we're done. Bow hunting, it's completely different because, you know, wind is wind is a factor, you know, a big factor. You know, 
um, choosing the right arrow setup, which I mean, until you know what your draw length is, what you know, what you're going after, same broadheads, you got to dial that stuff in. Um, it's a lot more time consuming and very frustrating. I mean, if you have a bad day shooting your bow, you know, you could be all over the target, but nothing's changed except for, you know, what you're doing that day. The next day you don't touch nothing. You go out there and you shoot nothing but tens all day long. Um, like with the archery team in the high school, you know, it's, this is my first year helping out with that. When I'm used to compound bow shooting and everything there is, you know, fingers and, you know, shooting your fingers, no sights, no nothing like that, which up until this year I had never done any of that. So, you know, I'm learning just as much from the, the main coach as all the kids are, you know, and nice. it's just pretty interesting, pretty neat. Um, but it's definitely something that I think is awesome. I wish they'd have had that when I was in school for sure. But Yeah, very cool. We didn't have anything like that when I was in high school either. Um, back when I was in school, I graduated in 97. Go Panthers. <laughs> we uh, we were still allowed to have rifles in the back of our pickup trucks and stuff, like hanging. Yeah. You know, it's not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, folks. No, a whole new world. But uh, I did, when I, when I got into bow hunting, it was, man, what was my first bow? I think it was like a diamond something. I can't remember. Years and years ago. Uh, it was an okay bow. And then I found, I got my, I picked up my first bow tech and whew, made in the USA. There's something awesome when you got that bow tech in your hand and you see that little American flag right there. I was like, man, that's, that's dope. American, bow tech was nice. American flag uh, and golf trust right on the limbs. Yep. Yep. And that's <laughs> to me, I, I think that's awesome. So, uh, I, I shot muzzy broadheads, uh, or muzzy, uh, um, hunting tips, man. And, just bought my arrows from Walmart, bro. I mean, I didn't, uh, I killed a lot. I killed a lot of deer with guns. Now I have a hunted and probably, well, I've been married eight and a half years now, eight years. So it's been well before that. So, um, the last deer I took was with my favorite muzzle loader. Now I have shotguns right in Ohio. You can use, uh, now you can use pistol cartridge rifles only, right? So your level right lever actions. Um, so the closest thing to a rifle that we could use was a muzzle loader. And I had bought off Craigslist, believe it or not, a muzzle loader. It's again back in the day, you can't buy guns off Craigslist now. Uh it was a muzzle loader, a Thompson Center and uh 50 cal. And I've killed more deer than that with that than anything. And it's so accurate. So uh I think I've taken five deer total, five deer total with that muzzle loader. And nothing with a bow. So I was, you know, I, and I'm a gun guy. I was more drawn to the firearm part of it. But uh, uh, it's definitely on my bucket list. Turkey hunting. I know some friends that have checked some turkeys off with a bow. And that's like next to damn near impossible. Because if you even blink, they see you. You know, I heard that. Have you have you turkey hunted with a bow? That's my goal this year is um, I love turkey hunting, love spring turkey hunting. Don't fall turkey hunt, but spring turkey hunting is just, you know, you talk about you know, deer hunting is fun because, you know, you go out there, you know, do your homework. But them turkey, you know, talk back at you. You know, you set up when they fly down on you in the mornings. You're in the right spot. You know, they're super talkative. And you just, even if you don't get a shot at one that day, just going out there and seeing them is a ball. But yeah. uh, getting one with a bow this year is definitely my uh, my goal because um, I'll get a lot more chances to turkey hunt this year than I normally do. Yeah. Um, normally, you go out with a gun just because you're like, okay, I get three times to turkey hunt this year. I'm going to increase my odds a little bit. But yeah. this year. This year, I'm definitely planning on uh, getting my first turkey with a bow this year for sure. You guys, uh, are you allowed to shoot traditional? I'm saying traditional rifle because, again, in Ohio, pistol caliber only. Do you guys uh, shoot traditional rifle in Indiana? Yeah, they just allowed that to happen, don't quote me, uh, two years ago, I believe. 
Um, and be honest with you, it's kind of one of those deals, depending on where you're in the state, it, I, you, I'm against it thing. And I'm a guy, yeah. gun, you know, I mean, it's just, and that's weird for a gun guy to say, no, no rifle hunting. Well, up in Northern Indiana, where I used to railroad at, it's flatter and I'll get out of there. You know, yeah. and unfortunately, a lot of people don't think about where that bullet goes after they shoot that thing or if they miss, you know, and then, but down here where I'm from, you know, it's hilly as I'll get out. No big deal. I mean, it's going to hit a, hit a tree or hit a hillside before it goes anywhere else. But, but yeah, um, the rifle hunting in Indiana really picked up though. As soon as they legalized that, it, everybody grabs a rifle now and the 12 gauge shotgun slug is kind of a thing of the past here. But, yeah. What about you, Josh? You got any input? Yeah, man. Um, I'm, I don't own actually any guns, not for any reason. I just don't have any, uh, yeah. I'm not against them by any means, but, um, for bow hunting for me, it was kind of the, along the same lines with Jordan, you know, it's, it's, um, just more simple, not simple. Cause it really isn't a gun is probably actually technically more simple when you think about it. Right. Um, but just the whole aspect of hunting in that way to me, uh, I almost feel like a gun is unfair sort of like not, it's not, you know, but like, you know, there's an aspect of bow hunting for deer or turkey or it just makes it a little bit harder. It's kind of like the same thing with the kayaks. Uh, you know, I agree with Jordan completely kayak fishing. It takes a lot of homework. So, but I mean, honestly, I can't really divulge a bunch of information like that. Cause I'm just not that much into it so far. Um, but the times I've gone out, what's that? We'll have to change that this year. You ain't too far. I know. I know. I meant to get out this year. It's just uh, with the podcast, and uh, now we got our show season. It's just it was hard, you know. And the, the best time to hunt is r- right smack dab in the middle of the holidays. So uh, this year, I uh, sort of ran out of vacation time for all of our tr- fishing trips that we did. So <laughs> <laughs> once again, I missed out. All right, Jordan. Are you ever there? There's usually. Well, let's say probably three types of hunters. There's the meat hunter, the trophy hunter, and then there's a hunter who wants both. Are you are you a guy who wants both? Or are you more like just fill the freezer type hunter? Or? Well, I'm I'm the guy that hunts both. You know, I mean, to get the trail cameras out there, you know, you get all jittery, like, oh boy, look at that right there. That one's gonna be mine. You know, right. and then all of a sudden, you a couple of weeks later, you're like, oh well, there's that deer I wanted on Facebook. Good thing the neighbor got it. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. You know, fill, fill in the freezer. I mean, I, I enjoy deer meat. You know, I, I think uh, hunting is good conservation. I mean, it has to be done. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I truly enjoy. But, you know, I mean, I, I take more from it than, you know, just a trophy. You know, right. I mean, if, if it comes down to it, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tag three does if I get a chance, you know. I mean, it ain't no big deal to get a buck to me. Um, but you know, just, you, you always want to get that, that big monster you see on your trail camera, you know, you do all the food plots and all the hard work, you know, that's what your, your goal is kind of like, you know, that 10 pound bass, you know, that double digit bass that you want. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a fill the freezer, you know, and, uh, if the trophy comes across and presents itself, buddy, it's going to drop. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I miss, you know, then, then I guess walk away. <laughs> you, you said something funny about, you know, your whole neighbor, you know, you see the neighbor bag, the buck that you've been watching. Um, that, that didn't happen to me, but back when I was big into hunting and I, man, I can't put a time frame. It was, uh, to actually about 2006 to 2009 is when I was really heavy into it. We have, we have property in um, Adams County. It's like a family plot that we get to go. It, it butts up to Shawnee state forest. Um, so we actually get the deer that come off Shawnee. Um, 
So when I was hunting though, it wasn't on that property. It was local. Now my grandfather was a really well-known dairy farmer in the area and owned a bunch of land and the land butted up to the little Miami bike trail, which butted up to the little Miami river. Right. So, um, there's a road called river road, obviously it goes right next to the river. And I remember driving my car one day and I see this, this younger buck running this ridge line. I was like, Oh my God, I've never seen that one before. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And I generally, I'm kind of afraid of heights. So you won't really get me into a tree stand. I was in a tree stand once and the wind was blowing and the tree stand was blowing. I was like, I'm out of here. This is not my, my bag. Right. I'm out. So I was hunting out of a blind and it's one of those, it was running those real cold mornings, you know, you're in the blind. I'm like, Oh, I just got warm. I'm sitting there like my eyes starting to get a little heavy. Cause you've been in there since like 4am, right? Yeah. Eyes getting a little heavy. And I look over to my right and I see some does hundred yards out and I got my muzzle loader and I'm thinking there's a really good chance. Cause it, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I was a really good shot with that. Um, I should have brought it out. I got it in the safe behind me. So I was, I was like, I could bust one of those and it's a safe shot. And I know there's no houses back there. And I lined it up. So the blind was behind a fallen tree and I was able to kind of rest my muzzleloader outside of the front of the blind on this fallen tree. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm lining up on this doe and I'm thinking I'm going to get her. And out of my, the left corner of my eye, I saw a flick of a tail and I'm thinking, holy crap, there is one walking up this hill into this meadow where I'm at. And so I slowly, like as in unison, I turned my gun with my body and I look and I saw antlers coming up this hill. And I was like, oh, my heart, you know, it starts going. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. I was trying to do a cool little like heartbeat thing there. And I screwed that up. But anyways, <laughs> I start and I see, I see these antlers come up and it's that freaking deer that I saw earlier and he's coming up. And so I had practiced and I had practiced and I had practiced. And the first bat, first buck I've ever bagged came within 20 yards of me. He was probably 15. I busted him wide open with that muzzle loader. It was high velocity, short range. That bullet went clean through him. He jumped, spun, and ran. So um, he ran and he ran and he fell down the hillside where like the the back of the hillside going towards the river and the bike trail right bike trail first river there so that was obviously like his point of escape i think they had made a pretty good trail to run back that way because they tend to run where they're familiar with and so that was the first buck and i called my brother and my cousin it started getting dark i'm like hey i need you guys come help me get this thing out and it was yeah, it was a six pointer it was huge but it was beautiful you know i have pictures somewhere i could post it up and uh, they didn't believe me. They're like, dude, you didn't get it. quit. I'm like, dude, I got this buck. You guys need to come. I've never guttered a deer either, right? They're, back then, I, mean, I didn't have YouTube on my phone. I think I had a, maybe a flip phone, a Motorola, Motorola Razor flip phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how to gut a deer. Nobody showed me how to gut a deer. I'm thinking, all right, man, you know, I, I've, I've read about it. See, this, you just pull out your knife and you start cutting here. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen. If you guys are listening to this and your viewer may want to turn it down if you listen around, when you grab a deer's junk and you cut it off for the first time, it changes you. <laughs> it changes you. When you are cutting its butthole out and you're grabbing its it, and you get that slime on your hand. It's, I was dry heaving so hard I almost <laughs> fell over a few times. I'm full blown. I'm like leaning. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't. 
And then the, <laughs> so I got it done, you know, and they come, they help me drag it out and we throw it on the truck. We butcher it. That whole experience was life changing for me, you know, because oh, I went from doing the homework, man, you know, learning about hunting, learning about how to read rubs and trails. And, you know, I didn't have a trail cam. Uh, but it all came like together, the whole package came together. And I thought that was so awesome. I could still, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I still can't go to deer very well. And it's been a long time. So I done it And my last time, the last time I hunted, I'll tell you about that story later, um, was terrible. And that was the last time I hunted because it was the, ugh, the, the <laughs> gut, ugh. yeah, it grossed me <laughs> out. So that's kind of why I fell off. Now, a lot of people, uh, according to the ODNR, uh, people are not hunting as much as they used to, right? Oh, no. And so now it's a problem now. Yeah, I was at a um, hunting fishing seminar um, that they had at a local outdoor shop with Hank Parker uh, last weekend. And as one of his topics, he brought up, you know, a hunting license sales last year was down 2 million nationwide, wow. you know, which is, you know, like, oh, nationwide. I mean, I mean that's a big deal. That's, that's 2 million hunters that didn't get in the woods. You know, but on the flip side, you know, he's like, you know, fishing licenses were up 15% higher than they've ever been. Yeah. You know, so people are still getting in the outdoors, but I mean, you know, two million hunting license not purchased, that's that's a big deal across the country. It really is. Well, the secondary repercussions of that, what people don't understand is that money for your license and your permits and your deer tags, um, buck and doe tags, stuff like that, it goes towards wildlife conservation and keeping our parks up and keeping our waters clean. And that stuff is vital because without that money, they don't get a lot of government funding. Right. So it, it's, but a lot of people are do lean towards fishing. I don't know why they're stopping hunting. I really don't know why. What do you think, Josh? Man, to be honest, I'd have to say it's just sort of the society that's kind of come around. Um, the more and more the social media and, you know, the more video game type stuff that's going on. I just don't think yeah. our youth is getting into it like they used to, you know, you, um, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a father in my life to have like the outdoors type stuff passed down to me. Um, right. that stuff was kind of gained from my adventures in college and friends that I had that got into backpacking and, you know, and it, it became the more outdoor stuff we did, the better, you know? Um, so I, I think that attributes to it. Um, but I think maybe it's kind of weird to get into hunting, I think is a little bit more pricey than it is for fishing, you know? Um, and that has to do with, in my opinion, the apparel, um, the best, you know, hunting season is tending the best part of hunting season is the coldest. And, um, you know, it's, there's gear out there that it's pretty pricey, you know, Scent I mean, there's the cheap, yeah. I mean, but yeah. any, any of it really is even the stuff that's cheaper, you're still, looking to drop some coin on something that is actually going to keep you warm. You know, I bought, I bought cheap stuff at first and realized, you know, this stuff doesn't, doesn't work like advertised. And, you know, I've had, I had to purchase some stuff that was a little bit more pricey. And so I could kind of see that aspect of why some people might shy away from, it, especially if you didn't grow up in it, you know, you might yeah. have an interest in it, but you might get a little bit of sticker shock when you realize how much it does cost. I mean, there's cheap bow setups, but it's still really not that cheap. You could go buy a rod and reel for 50 bucks, but you're not going to really buy a bow for $50, you know, yeah. or even, a, you know, or a shotgun or anything like that. So I think that might kind of attribute to it, but I honestly think it's just not getting passed down to the generations like it used to. My son has never hunted yet. I mean, he just turned seven. I haven't taken it, but he wants to hunt. 
he's fired up about it, you know. He he goes, well, you know, we, we see doves, and I used to love dove hunting. It's something I want to actually get back because dove tastes phenomenal. Mm. Um, but I told him, I said, hey, you see that bird right there? What's that, buddy? Flaming yawn of the sky. Oh, my God, they're good. <laughs> you take those and a little slice of uh, apple and wrap it in bacon. Oh, my God, they're good. Um, so, you know, I told him, he calls them meat birds. Hey, Dad, let's go shoot one of those meat birds. Let's go squirrel hunting. You know, like he, like he wants to hunt. So uh, we're going to get a hunting. I'm going to pick it back up. And, uh, I won't be a diehard hunter like I am kayaker. Cause I, obviously I just, I can't fit both of those in my life right now, but I want him to be outdoor exposed. I mean, he, he likes fishing for 15 or 20 minutes. And then after that, it's, I'm going to throw every rock in the river, in the river. Right. So, right. um, or like the last trip, he, he's a water nut and he likes to, get in the kayak, jump off the kayak, get in the kayak, jump off the kayak. And then sometimes you can't get him back in the kayak because he just wants to float down the river in his life. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think we did a, we did a five mile trip and I kid you not, he probably floated four out of the five miles. So <laughs> him and his little buddy, I mean, that's just what they like. But uh, I, I heard squirrel tastes good. So I want a bag of squirrel rabbit. Eh, I don't care about rabbit too much, but definitely dove hunting. And I live up in a subdivision that has private land behind me and there's some monster deer back there and they sleep right behind my gate and i saw this i I posted a picture not too long ago this one bedding down staring at me while i'm taking this picture and he had tree trunks on top and i'm thinking there's two ways to look at that there's the oh my god i can i could just go and bag this deer and say i'm the best hunter ever then there's sportsmen's like that's kind of cheating so the sportsman side i'm like i'm not going to do that i'm not going to do that you know um, that, that deer is, is off limits to me. It's, it's kind of the same principle as bagging what they call a yard squirrel. Like you don't shoot your, the squirrels in your yard. Cause those are like, they're yard squirrels. You don't shoot that. You know what I mean? So what, what's the biggest deer you bag, man? Like, like biggest buck is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I mean, nothing crazy yet. I mean, I got a decent eight point a couple years ago, um, with, uh, railroad and up until now, um, that pretty much, yeah, I mean, that, if I had any free time at all. It was either go fishing or go hunting, you know, and it was also the last three years we've lived in Fort Wayne. So to get down to any hunting or any good fishing, you know, it's a two hour drive back to the, um, my wife's family's farm or, you know, and, and then three hours back to where I'm from, you know? So, I mean, we didn't get too much time, to, but, um, you know, it, decent eight point buck a couple of years ago is my biggest deer. Um, I honest, I didn't grow up, you know, deer hunting at all. Um, my dad didn't hunt my, hardly anyone in my family really hunted much, um, pretty much one of those things you know I've always been interested in it you know and um, a family friend of ours took me out one time dude and I was hooked and it was one of those things like you know I self-taught myself as much as I could you know read as much as you can and same with fishing you know I mean dad took me fishing quite a bit growing up you know it's never like you know big fishing trips or you know get out in the boat or nothing just go fish off the off the bank in a couple ponds or whatever um yeah but uh you know just getting outdoors and doing all that stuff but uh but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's in the area around here, I mean, there's some very nice deer around here. Um, yeah. And the the farm that uh, me and my wife just bought um, borders a, a giant hunting lodge refuge. And it's all, you know, free range deer and everything else. And then I'm going to put in some food plots on the property and everything else and try to, you know, help the help the deer in my area, you know, and uh, try to get me a big old nice one for the wall. But uh, definitely want to my goal this year, too, is to get out west and do a little uh, public land mule deer hunting and try yeah. to get something big out west. But 
that sounds like a lot of fun. While you were talking, I was trying to dig through my Facebook. I know I had posted some pictures of the last year I shot. Um, the the time frame I feel like was around 2010. We were at what we call deer camp. So the day after Thanksgiving, my cousins, my uncles, my brother go to deer camp and they go there for like five days. Um, so <laughs> we, uh, we were, we were hunting and it was really crappy weather. It was on a Monday, Monday morning. And I was hunting in mountains. I was hunting that hillside over there in Adams County. Again, it's, that's kind of like my, my thing, man. I like to f- find fallen trees and then I kind of like to get back behind them. Right. Mm. And I was, I was hunting uh, a dry Creek bed. So, uh, it started snowing like crazy and I was freezing, just kind of miserable. So I laid down kind of behind this tree and I actually, I probably nodded off for a good hour and a half. Um, and it stops, it stopped snowing and I sat back up and I'm looking around, looking around and I see again, like a flicker flutter 50, 70 yards out. And I'm like, it's freaking squirrel. It's the only thing I'm going to see today is a squirrel, you know? And, and, um, it was down by that Creek bed. So it started coming out further and further and I'm looking through the scope of my muzzleloader and I'm like, Oh, that's a deer. That's not a squirrel, you know, cause it was back behind a tree and I just seen a, like an ear. It was its ear is what I was thinking. It was a squirrel tail. Um, and so I'm like, Oh, that's a big doe. That's a big doe. So I was looking, I'm looking and it would have kept doing. And I believe I'm almost positive. I have pictures of this on Facebook. Actually, I know I do. So it was turned around and it was like grooming its side like this, right? It's down like this. And it was blocking the shot. It was blocking its heart shot. And I said, listen, I'm going to have like one shot at this. If it doesn't move, I'm going to shoot it through the face and drop it <laughs> with a 50 cal. And I did that. Right. So I shot it. The, the, the bullet goes through the snout, out the other snout and hits it pretty much right where the heart is. But it blew a hole in this deer's rib cage that you could easily fit probably two golf balls in. Man, maybe about one golf ball. And it was a golf ball size hole. And that thing took off running. And we tracked it, and it blew blood probably 20 yards on each side because it had holes on each side of its snout now, right? And the bullet yeah. penetration was right behind the snout. It just it looked like a massacre. And when we got up on it, that freaking 50 cal entered its rib cage, right? High rib cage and bounced around inside that deer Brrr, just ricocheted i did at that time did you guys hear that that's perfect <laughs> dude it shredded that deer's stomach and when it died blood and and just like gr- grass and whatever it was eating was just bubbling out of that and that gut i could not get that smell off my hands and and that's i probably got sick maybe three or four times that's the last time i hunted like it was so awful i couldn't i couldn't do it again. i could not bring my myself to do it again after that it ruined me but i do have a picture on that <laughs> facebook i'll try to find it uh here in a moment but it was it was god awful it yeah, was god awful i don't know if you can see it but that was the I don't know if you can see that worth the crap or not. Probably uh, not. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, that was the 2017 big buck, but but I mean it was kind of the same scenario there, buddy. I mean it 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 came out and it gave me like you know one one chance to get it, and it was you know thread the needle kind of bow shot, and I'm like, well, this is gonna go really well, and I'm gonna be the king, or it's gonna go real bad, and I'm never gonna find that arrow, and the deer's gonna run away. So oh no! I split two trees about 42 yards out. And I came right down through the top of the shoulder, down through the, and caught a lung. And he went about 42, 45 yards, give or take. And, <laughs> um, and of course, you know, he rolled all the way to the bottom of this hill. 
And, yeah. you know, it's always fun dragging a buck out when it's 10 degrees outside and it's dark and muddy and wet and everything else. But uh, always oh, good. No. I'm trying to find, I think we lost Eldridge. I think we have to add him back in, but yeah, dude, it was, it was freaking awful. This, just the smell, I couldn't get past the smell, man. And I know like when you're a hunter, it's something you just kind of have to go through. Like when you hit one wrong, when you got shot one and stuff like that. But I just, I never expected that. Cause I never got shot at him. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just that when I, when I shot it through the snout, it obviously just made that, that, um, the ball man just kind of open up and just bounce around inside the rib cage. And it was awful. So that was, and my brother was making fun of me. He's dude, you got to quit gagging. I'm like, rich, this, this freaking smell <laughs> dude. And I couldn't get it out of my skin. That was the thing dude. too. Like and it, it, stays, awful. it stays in your nostrils for days too. Like even when you don't smell it, you think you do. Right. It was, it was terrible. So that was the last time I bow hunted and, uh, flipping through here i'll 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 text you the picture i can't find it right now so um kind of segue off you said earlier when you tell us about the railroad because you mentioned bringing that up there he is he's back hey handsome man sorry about that apparently my internet was like no not tonight uh, we're good <laughs> on you so we, actually we were just finishing up the story about how that that bullet ricocheted throughout that deer and i was gagging i couldn't get the smell off my hands and uh, it was terrible man so uh jordan mentioned railroad work so you're the second person i know that's worked on the railroad the other guy hit it big right his name's uh mike champlice and and he works down here at the cincinnati railroad he's also the founder of spur brand right do do you know do you know mike yeah i worked at csx out of louisville and mike was uh he was the guy over training me whenever i first hired out csx down there um in in louisville kentucky so I, i know mike pretty decent he probably don't remember me because he yeah. has you know, tons of people that he interacts with on a day-to-day basis. But Mike's a real nice guy. Real nice guy. I met him last year at the um, Tri-State Outdoor and Fishing Show. We worked that one last year. And that was when it was at the Lawrenceburg Convention Center. Our, our booths were kind of next to each other. Uh, I bought a hat and a shirt. Um, and then we kind of fell out of contact. He actually, we talked about um, outfitting me and some of his clothing and repping it for the fishing stuff. Uh, great guy, him and Buddy buddy's partner are great uh they they hand did their logos and they hit it now it's on turkey calls um and they've hit the big time you know they are they're big time so i'm i'm really uh really happy those guys made it so what's it like and what do you do for the railroad man because i think that's just really interesting and you never hear that from a lot of people that they that they do that type of work yeah now what i've done before when i first started railroad and i was an engineer and conductor you know running the train orchestrating the movement of the train, you know, all that stuff. Um, did that for a while. Um, I got laid off um, whenever the economy hit that second tank back in like 2016 timeframe. Um, and the railroad really had a lot of issues and they laid several several people off. Um, and then I transferred over into uh, the maintenance side of the house working on the track. You know, more job security there. It's like, you know, well, even if they don't run two trains a day, at least they got to work on the track. So, you know, maybe right. my job security is a little better off. Um, <laughs> And uh, that's what I moved up to Fort Wayne for was a track inspector up there, which, you know, we drive the truck with the rail gears on it and go up and down the track looking for problems and making sure everything's safe to run on. Um, and then now um, I work for the, uh, a smaller railroad. Um, we actually run on an old North Folk Southern Railroad that runs from uh, Newtown all the way to Portsmouth, Ohio, down oh, on nice. Park, too. Um, 
and I'm a roadway director and rail administrator for them. So now I, I run their uh, maintenance department and, um, you know, take care of that stuff. And then I assist the owners with whatever they need business had been business admin wise and, you know, whatever the railroad really needs to be successful. Nice. What, what kind of, I mean, do you see crazy stuff, man? Do you, do you like do overnight trips or, I mean, you're going through some backwoods country stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I don't I used to do overnight trips whenever I was an engineer and conductor. Um, when I, well, when I was a conductor for CSX, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time on the road, you know, I'd go to Louisville, Nashville, stay over in a hotel, then catch a train from Nashville back the next day, same Cincinnati, you know, Evansville. Um, nowadays though, I mean, it's pretty, pretty all decent schedule. I mean, you know, railroad owns you kind of thing. So, you know, I mean, we enjoy it. I mean, it kind of one of those, you do it for a while, it gets in your blood and, you know, can't see myself doing anything else. Um, yeah. But uh, you do see some stuff. I mean, because the thing about it is you'll you'll see a different side of the country from railroad tracks you'll never see from a road. I mean, them, mm. them, like especially that railroad we're in down there now. I mean, there's, you know, when I was up in North Fort Wayne, you know, they talk, oh, we got curves up here. Like, no, dude, you have a slight deviation to the left and the right. You don't have curves. Like, you know, you can't look back and see the track behind you because you're on the same curve and all the way through the mountain kind of thing. Um, but uh but yeah, just beautiful country down through where the railroad's at now, down in the foothills of the Appalachians. And uh, you talk about deer, you see some monster deer on on the railroad tracks, yeah. especially out at Adams County where you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it. I love it, man. It's 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 interesting, you know. As a kid, you know, you're all oh trains, you know, that's cool, you know, and you never think about really being a job. And uh, I kind of lucked into it, really. Um, I farmed for a long time and. I went to work for a grain company and I had heavy equipment background through the military. And they're like, Hey, would you ever thought about working for the railroad? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give that a shot. And dude, that was all she wrote from there, man. Been railroading ever since. That's pretty awesome. Do you ever find like homeless people sleeping in your carts and stuff? <laughs> that up under bridges in cars. Uh, I've caught guys deer hunting off the top of cars that are parked in side tracks and all kinds. Oh, of you're kidding me. <laughs> no, really. This this past year, I had a guy. I was uh, I was running down the tracks uh, over there outside Batavia, and the guy's sitting on a five gallon bucket in the middle of the tracks with a vest on and a muzzle loader. And I come <laughs> up behind him in the truck, and uh, he stood up, started walking, said, "Hey, buddy, you know how how's it going?" Oh, just out just out walking, man. I said, "Oh, with a muzzle loader and an orange vest on." Well, yeah, this is where the deer are. <laughs> but I said, "Well, buddy, I, I appreciate it, but uh, you know, just, this is live tracks, so just kind of you know." I didn't see you, but this the train will kill you. So, you know, yeah. but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. But you see a lot of, you talk about homeless people. You see a lot of people up under overpasses, you know, up and uh, getting the, open the box cars up and sleeping inside there. But you know, the funniest moment I ever had railroad and this, you're going to crack up, but I was working night shift down in Jeffersonville, Indiana, and uh, I was riding a cut of cars back and it was dark in the yard. Couldn't see nothing. Well, I kept getting hit in the head with corn kernels. I'm like, man, yeah. <laughs> I kept looking up, and I couldn't see nothing. You know, I'm looking up, you know, because it's dark. Well, we get down in the, the yard there, and I'm getting ready to, to get off. Or I look up, and there's this raccoon coming down this car ladder at me. No. <laughs> and he had been riding the top of the car the entire time I was riding riding that shove, and he was pushing corn kernels off down on my head. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. That's awesome. My uh, roommate, um, when I was about 20, 21 years old, uh, worked for – uh, CSX and somebody else too. Uh, but he was actually ended up being with like a contracted company. He, he had a rail truck as well. And he did a lot of maintenance work on this electrical boxes for the signals. Yep. And he was telling me, share this with, uh, 
uh, rickets here. Tell them how they lay that electrical wire down across the tracks. Don't you guys use like magnesium or something crazy? And it's like, yeah, it's kind of like that. setting off fireworks almost. Oh, yeah, thermite. Yeah, yeah. thermite. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because we do a lot of ther- when we'll, well, weld a track, we use thermite to weld it. And it, it's, it's like, uh, it is, it's like fireworks. And when it goes bad, it goes real bad. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So if you're, so explain if you're, that, yeah, explain that whole process, man. Like, so what do you mean weld tracks? Explain that whole thing to me. Yeah, well, so like, you know, like, um, they don't do typical welding like with a with a gun. You know, when you're welding two tracks together. Now, you, you when you work on certain track components, I mean, it's normal welding. You know, it's it's nothing. You know, nothing. It doesn't look any different. But when you're right. welding rails together, um, you got to get the alignment right. Then you put this uh, this mount on it, and uh, then this big pot sits on top of it. And you got this mold, and this this pot has powdered um, thermite in it. And uh, you know, so you get everything lined up right. Set this pot on there, and it looks like a sparkler, and you drop it down on top of it. And uh, all of a sudden, it goes from zero to like five thousand degrees, and you know, and if, you know, and then it melts that thermite, and then it pours down in there, you know, like uh, you know, like lava down in there, and hardens it up. Now, if that mold is done wrong, it'll it'll crack, and then that thermite goes everywhere like a volcano eruption. Oh and, no! Uh, you talk about going wrong, it goes way wrong. <laughs> I've, fortunately, I've only seen it a couple times, um, and. The reason why, you know, it's usually it's a good thing you don't see that is because it usually costs a lot of money whenever it goes bad. Because basically anything that that gets on, like if the last one we had, um, the mold cracked and blew out. Well, when that thermite got on the actual rail that we were welding, it melted through the railhead. So we had to cut 80 feet of rail out. Oh, no. Oh, I mean, and, and that's big money. So, but uh, but yeah, it's pretty neat. And then. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a neat process for sure. Um, it's pretty cool. Y'all check it out on YouTube sometime. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, my roommate was telling me even like some of the stories of how they lay um, the wire down. That it, I don't know if it was an old method or something, but how they binded the wiring to the track for it trips mm-hmm. off the the signals and stuff. And he was telling me about the thermite, how to how they fix that stuff. And I'm like, dude, that's wild, man. Yeah, I was like, I've, I've seen it. I've seen video. I never saw it in person with him, but, um, you know, I remember seeing that online somewhere and I'm like, dude, that is absolutely amazing. Cause that mold is exactly this, the shape of your track. And just, and when it gets done, it looks like it never happened. Like there was no break ever. Oh that's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You can always, when you're, whenever you're riding on the track, especially because, you know, I, I inspect track two as part of one of my duties for this railroad now. So you, you can ride across it and a good welder, you don't even know that weld's there. A bad weld. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's a weld right there for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, you're talking about the signal stuff. It, it's the same deal, just on a smaller scale. And they'll yeah. um, like on jointed track, they'll take the little wire and they'll fasten it on the field side of the rail to one side to the other. So it completes a signal circuit. But it's, yeah. it's thermite building, same deal, just on a smaller scale, and it's pretty cool. It's really yeah. neat. That is cool. That is really cool, man. I love learning about new stuff like that. That's crazy. How many animals have you hit with your with your uh, your train? Buddy, when I whenever I used to run, um, deer were pretty common, unfortunately. Really. Um, the the worst one ever. We were actually coming into Cincinnati around Covington, and uh, we were coming through a tunnel there. And a pretty, pretty skinny tunnel while this, this turkey vulture flew down in front of us <laughs> and we were going way faster than he was. And he had nowhere to go. I mean, it's just tunnels tight and he smacked off that windshield and they stink. Oh, I mean, they smell bad. So really, like, 
I got to get out there and get this thing off there. Well, it stinks. You don't want to touch it, you know? So you're like, well, I can't leave it on there, you know? <laughs> so, and of course I'm the conductor, you know, and I mean, I'm the, was the ranking member on the crew, but it's kind of funny how that works because the conductor is the ranking member on the crew, but usually they're the youngest guy on the crew. You know, the engineer is like, man, I've been doing this 30 years. I ain't touching that bird. You go get him, you know? So, oh, no. so I, I crawl my butt out there, you know, and I'm, I'm taking my, what's called a brake stick. He's what you tie your brakes with. I'm trying to shove him off the nose with this thing, you know, and I flip him down in the tracks and, you know, he's, he's in there cracking up at me, you know, cause I mean, they smell so bad oh. and it did, it, it, it did, it splattered right on the window and we, we were had like a six hour day left. So we had to smell that all the way back to Louisville. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. They've got to stink. I mean, they eat all that roadkill and nasty, yeah. just rotten. Oh, God, I could not imagine. Ugh. I sent yeah, that God. picture to you guys via text, that deer. So <laughs> you have to check it out. Now, if you zoom in, and you remember how I said, man, that's a big doe. It actually turned out being a spike buck. But because it yeah. was so far away, I didn't see the spikes on it. So yeah, I burned up my, my buck tag. So, yeah, um, it look now it's more of like a baseball size hole and not a golf ball if you guys zoom in. But if you look at the snout, you'll see the bolt hole in the snout. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> yeah. It went through that snout out the other side and made that big old hole inside of that deer. So and then if you zoom in even further, you can see the food I was talking about on its fur. Mm. Gross, dude. Nasty stuff. <laughs> that was the last one. Um I don't have any homeless stories but one. So I work, man, I wish I did something cool like you for a living, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in boring banking, dude. I'm, I'm, you know, senior loan consultant for a bank. Dude, what, I'll, what I'll tell you though, is I guarantee you probably don't hurt like I do every morning when you wake up. Though. Yeah, right. I don't, man. My <laughs> wrist hurt from typing so much. I've been real <laughs> Jordan, you're, you're only 29. You're only 30. I didn't say, babe, I know, but I railroad. I'm 29 going on 65. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I get cold and I have to put a like jacket on in my office or something. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's so rough, man. It's, it's like, like the AC is too high tonight. Yeah. And I can't get my seat to recline the way I want it to. It's a tough job. It's real man. tough. No, I love what I do, man. I do. I, I have an act for it. I love what I do. But um, it's sales. It's sales-based, commission-based. Sometimes things get slow. So I have moonlighted as an Uber driver before. So last year, stuff was it's getting a little slow. And I was kind of pumped up about doing the Uber thing, man. I was like, cool, man. You're kind of like self-employed. You get to do your own thing. Uh, I had a nice, I had a nice ride. And so I started kicking off Uber, man. I only did it, I think, for a total of 30 days over a span of maybe a couple months. Um, so brand new at it, I get a call in Covington. Now, I work in Covington, and Covington's your perfect, like I told Josh today, I introduced him to Covington. It's your perfect mix of uh, working professionals, kind of like a little bit of the of the bar scene, and then homeless people. And they're all interact because there's a homeless shelter pretty close to us and they all interact with each other. So I got a ping in Covington and, and uh, it was at uh, the pickup was a church location. I'm like, cool, a church? What could go wrong here, right? I picked the dude up and he gets in. Well, he, he was really nice. He was a bigger guy. And he gets in. He goes, yeah, I'm going to this homeless shelter. And I'm like, oh, man, who, how, what? You know, and, and it was a homeless dude. I'm like, okay. Uh, he's a big boy. Jordan, he's about your size. And I'm getting, I was a little uneasy and that's part of me was just being judgmental because he was homeless. I'll be the first one to admit that it's the first thing that made me kind of nervous about him being in the car. Right. 
Uh, he didn't smell the great. He didn't smell awful, but he didn't smell the greatest. Right. It was just like, Hey, I may need a shower. It's been a few days. Um, so we start riding and he's made, we're just making small talk. I'm trying to not show my nervousness. And I, and I used to, well, when I did Uber, I roll strapped, you know, I'll be the first one. I wasn't going to ever let somebody weird in my car without being strapped. Um, this time I was not strapped. Right. So we're driving, we're driving, we start to get stuck in traffic and we have conversations, you know, Hey, what do you like to do? He's like, yeah, I like to make music and, and this is what I'm into. And I'm hoping that, you know, now that I get off these drugs, I think he said meth or heroin. It was one of them that he was real bad on. Uh, he goes, but every time I write music, he says, and, and I, Oh my God, this is the weirdest story. He goes, <laughs> the voices in my head tell me to stop. And sometimes I can't control them. And I about died right then and there we're in traffic i don't know this dude he's a big dude and i'm no punk bitch right like i can hold my own he was a lot bigger than me and i'm thinking this is it man this is how i'm going to go down this is this is the end of me they're going to find me it puts the lotion on its skin right that's going to be me he's going to wear my skin as freaking lotion right bro so I'm thinking this is it. He he telling me and he said that he was abducted by the government and the government put an implant and that he hears voices, but he really likes to make music. And I dropped him off where at his location at the homeless shelter and we he shook my hand and he goes, Sir, I really appreciate the ride. And we went on. And that was the most craziest, horrific, scary story I've ever had Ubering. And I don't I still did it after that. I told my wife about it. She goes, I don't think you should do it anymore. I'm like, uh, you know, it's a cool gig. I still want to do it every now and then. So I did it maybe a Friday and a Saturday night, and that was it, you know. But, I mean, he completely sketched me and freaked me out. But he was the most respectful psychopath I've ever met in my entire life. They usually you are. Know? Like, then he was so, he was so freaking nice, dude. But, I mean, he was just like, gotcha. it, it was the weirdest conversation, weirdest conversation, man. That's but, how he lured you in, buddy. That's how he lured you in. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, boy, you got pretty mouth. <laughs> you know, and I told Josh today, too, like, I, I get real weird about, I'm kind of a germaphobe. I don't, like, touch public door handles. And and if I see somebody, like, in the bathroom and they don't wash their hands, I'll be, God dang, if I'm going to shake your hand after that, bro, you know. Uh, Look out for that dude, guy think, walking around. Oh, my God, you know. Yeah, it, it was disgusting. So I, I like bathe in hand sanitizer. You see, I'm rubbing my hands like this because it's grossing me out talking about it, but I bathe in hand sanitizer after that. But super nice dude, man. Um, just just totally whack, dude. So that's the only like cool, really work story because my work's pretty daggone boring. You know, I can tell you how I put staples in my stapler or some crap like that. But I mean, that's it. I don't have nothing cool or, um, you know, hitting buzzards or whatever the hell that was, the turkey vulture. Uh, so when you catch people, when you catch homeless guys sleeping in your, in your car or in your car, is it called a car or a cart? Cause I've said both. Car. Yeah. A car. car. Okay. When you catch them sleeping in the car, how do you get them out? And what if they refuse to get out? What do you do? Oh, I mean, it's dude, my, my run-ins with them, generally speaking, you know, they're, they're like you said, pretty respectful. I mean, you know, they, you know, I have sympathy for them, dude. I, I get it, man. I, I do. You know, I, I wish I could help you out more, but man, you can't be in here, dude kind of thing, you know, just try to be respectful of them. Um, very rarely do you, you get someone that's like just totally causes an issue, but generally speaking, it's like, man, you know, I understand your situation, but you just can't do it right here, man. You know, the next guy that comes across fine, you may not be not as nice as me kind of thing. Um, but, uh, I had this one guy, uh, 
last year when I was up in Columbia City Railroad, and, and I the gas station was next to the railroad traction, so of course you're going to ride the truck up there, you know, go in there, get you a pop, and come back. Well, I pulled up to the stop, and there's a bridge out in front of me, and there's this guy, you know, he wasn't a homeless guy, but he's out there, you know, hanging out, and uh, he was throwing rocks off the bridge, you know, and I'm just like, okay, well, you know, so I, he sees me, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go in there and get this pop, and come back out, and he'll be gone, you know, no big deal, you know, leave the guy alone. Well, right. I come back out, and still throwing rocks off the bridge. I'm like, all right, well, now i got to go talk to the guy. So I roll up in my truck, you know, thinking he's going to get out of the way, and he doesn't. He just stands right there in the middle of the tracks, keeps throwing rocks. I'm like, oh, no. Okay, this this is one of those guys. So <laughs> finally I get up close to him. I kind of honk, you know, like, you know, kind of motion him out of the way, and he starts giving me ten kinds, man, just throwing a fit. I was like, buddy, you know, look, you know, I understand throwing rocks in the water is fun, but you, you can't do it on railroad tracks, you know, it's federal property, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know, I pay taxes. You know, this is what I want to do. <laughs> like, oh, All right. Well, yeah, I, I'd love to love to wish I could, but you, you can't. You know, he's like, well, you know, these are my rocks. I said, nobody. I said, they, they belong to the railroad, you know, but I appreciate you wouldn't throw my rocks on. You're like, what are you going to do? Charge me for every one of them? I said, buddy, I said, I can't buy them by the, I can't buy one at a time. So, you know, if you want to buy some, they're about 850 bucks a truckload, you know. And wow. uh, he is like, well, fine, and I'll just leave. So, but he walked off all all mad. But uh, I mean, you, you see him up under overpasses quite a bit. Um, but most people in the cars, man, you just kind of like you know they're still human. You know, they're they're trying to do what they can do. And you just, I mean, right. just appreciate it, but you, you just can't can't be here. And they they kind of walk away. You know, no, no big deal. Um, but the the worst ones were when you when you find that at night. You know, when you would re when I used to recruit chains in Nashville, it wasn't in the 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 best location of of Nashville. So you're you're walking out there in the dark, you know, checking your train, you know, and all of a sudden, like, this guy's like, hey, man, you got any water? You know, you don't even know, where's this guy at, you know? And uh, he pops out from a car, like, dude, you can't be up in there. Well, all right, I was just hoping to catch the train wherever it was going to go, you know? Um, wow. Uh, but That's yeah. crazy. So, you know, no, they never got hostile? They never did anything like that? Like, nothing to ever make you feel threatened? Nothing, nothing that, uh, nothing in my career, man. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate. I mean, a lot of guys, you hear a lot of them old head stories, you know, some all this that, and the other, you know, refusing to get off, stuff like that. And I mean, usually if you ever have that kind of issue, um, railroads have their own police departments, the big railroads do. And and they stay, you know, pretty pretty up and up on things. You know, you got a problem, they'll be there. They understand that you mean you got nothing. I mean, yeah. all railroads you can't can't carry firearms, you know, can't have knives, you know, big knives, whatever. I mean, not saying people don't, but right. you know, um, but the you know, it's it's not too bad though. I mean, I've never had any, never had any run-ins knock on wood yet. So. Interesting. You got any input, Josh, or are you just fascinated with all this homeless talk? <laughs> I mean, I'm a fair share of homeless under the under, underpasses, you know, especially with fishing under bridges. So oh, yeah. uh, there's this one spot that I have, and I think the same couple has been underneath there for the past two years. It's insane. Oh, wow. It makes you feel kind of horrible though, man. You know, you're, you just think, somebody's having to go through such a hard time like that and that's you know their last resort and right you know um you know i've i've come from kind of a rough background myself so um i know that handouts don't work you know kind of thing so a lot of times right. people have to have they have to hit a certain rock bottom till they go seek help and it's unfortunate because some rock bottoms end in death but you know not to make you know make this sad you know it's just 
you know, you kind of run into that stuff. But I have all sorts of good work stories because I work in the steel industry and we have just mishaps on a consistent basis. Like I work with steel coils and, you know, steel coils be weighing anywhere from 30,000 to 60,000 pounds on average. You know, we've done safety demonstrations of dropping these things on cars and they just flatten cars. Oh, and, really? Um, oh, yeah. And uh, so we've seen quite a few videos of coils getting dropped. Um, speaking of trains, we have we have a rail car system that um, that we have to pull around uh, into the, the building to get unloaded. So a lot of times another train will dump those cars off on our property and somebody didn't shock the wheels and one of them came flying into through the bay doors and no. right back out the other side yeah no it's way. funny because it's right next to where i work which is called a pickle line and when you crash a steel a coil pickle it makes, line? yeah so what we do is we take coils uh, from the steel mills and we run them through acid baths and yeah. then it goes through a, a rinse section dryer section then gets something called temper passing and which is basically like a rolling uh, mill um, yeah. it's got huge steel rollers in it and it presses down and improves the shape of the steel. Cause a lot of times steel comes, it's real wavy and auto manufacturers need flat steel to blank parts out of. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it gets oiled and wound back up. But, uh, the pickle line comes from, that's what they call the, um, the acid it's called, uh, uh, pickle liquor. Basically it's kind of weird. And so, that's where that kind of name comes from, but we will crash coils and it sounds like a car accident's happening. And so when, that, when that train blasted through everybody on the line freaked out thinking that they had this huge giant crash happen and nobody could figure out where it is. And it's actually a train cruising through the bay by itself, busting out the other side. It's and, a uh, yeah, we had a flood a couple years ago, the Creek uh, Monroe, cause I work in Monroe. Monroe got like this record setting rainfall that happened in a matter of like 15 minutes and the water drainage couldn't keep up. So the Creek behind us flooded and it flooded an entire section of our warehouse and shut us down oh, wow. for like two days. And so, yeah, we have birds that like to land on the strip and they get shot through the mill. So we shoot bird guts all over the line and anybody ever lose like a hand or a leg or anything. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it's a steel industry, You're man. shit me. I'm yeah. being sarcastic. And you, that really happened? It's happened, yeah. Dude, <sighs> steel industry is a very, very dangerous industry, man. AK, AK, when we were growing up, I don't know if you remember this, Rick, yeah. but do you remember how many deaths used to occur at AK back in the day when we were younger? It was always, like, a high number, but you never knew if it was just BS or if it really happened. It happens. Wow. That's why you see the safety programs are in play now, just because the amount of money that gets paid out and medical and, you know, funeral expenses and whatnot. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's a crazy wow. business, man. There's a lot of danger involved. And, uh, you know, so it's a, it's an interesting job. It gets monotonous for, for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm like Jordan, I'll get done with work and I'm about to put a, a walker in my truck cause I can barely make it up the driveway sometimes. So, oh, wow. <laughs> it's not as bad right now because I've been trained to become an operator. Um, so it's not nearly as bad. It's a lot more button pushing. But uh, my previous jobs were, you know, not super strenuous. But when you spend, we don't have, we don't have breaks. We work just eight hours and we take a half hour lunch. So for a good seven and a half hours of my day, I'm on my feet running around. So, wow. And I'm but, 40. Yeah. I'm 40, so it's starting to kind of catch up now. 
Well, I just turned 42, bro. I'm right there with you, man. I was trying to manhandle the – well, you were on the phone with me. I was trying to manhandle that freaking Jackson Cusa flex drive, dude, and I couldn't do it, man. I mean, I was I was struggling just trying to manhandle that. And then um, after I was done with it, I was lifting up a box to put in the back of my truck and tweaked my back. I'm like, um. Oh, I got to get back at the gym, bro. It's it's bad. Jordan, I'm talking to him on the phone, dude, and I can hear him grunting and like squirming like so bad. I'm like, dude, how about I let you go, bro? You call me when you get done with that. Yeah. It's like the the wife does that to me all the time. She's like, Jordan, is is that noise really necessary? Well, no, babe, but it makes me feel better. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you like, just got out of bed. <laughs> you, just, you just picked up a sock. Why are you grunting? Uh, that's like, funny. Really, that that sprite weighs that much that you have to you know make noises when you pick it up and drink it are you serious <laughs> i got a old football knee too man from back in the day from playing football and it's I, I blew it out big time and i still to the day have issues with it you know i was back in my bundy days bro rick hits so, like it's gonna rain at 1 yeah yeah my, <laughs> my knee's hurting yeah dude it, it was hurting today at the show i'm like man it's killing me um so kind of segueing your fishing, you got you you bought a Jackson big rig from Loveland, from Loveland Canoe and Kayak there in Loveland, Ohio. So is that how you got hooked up with Loveland was from passing through there on the railroad? Um actually what it was is I was um I was in the market for my new kayak and um I was looking through marketplace, you know, because you can find some deals on marketplace and I'm a sucker for a deal. <laughs> so, yeah. Um I was looking through there and um I saw the the Loveland Canoe and Kayak post that uh, Hicks had put up. And uh, so, you know, I commented on it and everything else. And um, he's like, dude, you know, come down there. You know, I'll tell Nate you're coming. You know, come down there and, uh, you know, we'll put you on a boat. You can try it out. So I, I went down there and, you know, met Nate, super nice guy, super good people. And uh, we had a bonafide out in the water and I was trying it. I mean, unfortunately for me that day, the, the river was getting it. Um, so I really couldn't get a good feel for that boat. Yeah. Um, but I ended up actually not buying my kayak from them, unfortunately. I, uh, a buddy of mine told me that he said, dude, he said, how far is, um, I can't remember where it was at in Michigan. He's like, is this place from you? I said, dude, I don't know. Three hours. He said, dude, they have a big rig up there. Nice. I want to sell for 950 bucks. I'm nice. like, really? He said, yeah, call them and see if it's still there. So I called him and said, Hey, you know, is this a, this ride? Is this a typo? You know, whatever. I said, Oh no, you know, we're, we're getting rid of the brand here and, uh, looking to get rid of it. I said, so, you know, that's the right price. And they're like, yeah. I said, well, put my name on it. I'm driving three hours to come get it. So I drove nice. there and got that. And then I came back and I bought all my PFD, my paddle, and all my accessories from Loveland. Well, um, okay. Yeah, my bad. I thought you bought the boat too. But, I mean. Yeah, I, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was one of those deals. Couldn't pass up the deal. Um, no, but I was, I was right. going to end up in a going to end up in a bonafide more than likely if I hadn't found that deal for sure. But. Yeah. I, you know, I handle all the, the marketing and stuff there on the Loveland side. And then I brought Brad and Josh to help me. And I'm a sucker for a deal too, man. And, and even as a consumer, before I even started doing that and repping Jackson officially, I'll always be a consumer. I'm always going to be the one looking for a deal. And what you did was absolutely perfect. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with it. Of course, Loveland would have like to have that sale but most importantly we would want you to have the boat that you could find to get you on the water at the price point that you can get on the water so we support that 100 percent. i think that's amazing so uh tell us about jay gibson fishing man so you started like a fishing facebook page i see you uh, american tackle who's who's your your sponsors and what do you do um i mean i started the the whole facebook page there kind of when i started my instagram deal i was just posting stuff through my personal facebook page for a while 
and it kind of got to where I was like, man, you know, I, I want to do like a page meant for, for what I'm doing, you know, with the fishing stuff. Um, yeah. But, the, you know, TRC covers, you know, um, they take care of me and trophy technologies. Uh, this year, too, I'm kind of excited. I'll, I'm on uh, Team Kistler, the rod company this year nice. um, for 2020. So lo- really looking forward to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of, you know, share my fishing, you know, with everybody, you know. There's not, not everybody can get out on the water and go fishing, you know, but they can get some enjoyment out of seeing others fish, you know, the same growing yeah. the sport too. Um, you know, it, I, I love kayak fishing. It's, uh, you know, you got into kayak fishing the same, most everybody, you know, I don't have a hundred grand to go dump on a, you know, high end legend bass boat, you know, right. um, going to launch that thing by yourself ain't fun either. You know, you can load a kayak up and in the truck and just go, you know, you can go put in just about anywhere. Um, and it's just, you know, it's the same with bow hunting. It's just, it's that, it's more fun. You know, like Chad Hoover said today, you know, you catch a dink in a kayak, it's still awesome. You know, it is. Yeah. Dink in a bass boat, you're like, eh, throwback. You know, um, but yeah, man, it, it's a, it's a good deal. And the the Instagram page is, you know, as I learn, because you know, I self taught myself pretty much everything when it comes to fishing. And you know, as I learn, I want others to learn with me. And you know, and as I grow as an angler and a person, you know, hopefully I can inspire others and you know, maybe teach them something, you know, that they didn't know. Nice. You know, and, That's very cool, man. I think that, uh, I, I bought my first, my first kayak was a big rig also, the OG big rig in Dorado. Uh, but I did buy mine from Loveland. Um, I was just researching who sold Jackson kayaks and they came up, you know, and I got a stellar deal from Mark. I think I, I got the big rig. I got a bending branches paddle, uh, mm-hmm. carbon fiber one, 260. Uh, 260 centimeters long and i got a cooler an orion cooler i got those three things for like 2200 bucks which is a freaking steal if you yep. think about it you know that's a steal uh and i bought that tax with tax return money so it's pretty awesome stuff man i have i've been contemplating on making a separate facebook page for fishing just so i don't have to spam my personal facebook page so much but i just ah, i just keep it going you know what i mean it's it's yeah, it's kind of kind of one of those deals too. Is like it was it was easy to. I mean, when I made the Instagram page just a, you know a couple months ago, I mean it's still in its infancy stages as well. You know, I was like, well, you know, I'll I'll just throw a Facebook page together. That way, I can you know post from one, post to the other. You know, some people don't have Instagram, some people have Facebook. You know, yeah. just a different way to you know interact with people, and um, it's it's going real well. I'm I'm super blessed with all the you know followers and people who you know like the page. You know. Um, and it's just, you know, it's really fun to do. You know, I, I love sharing my fishing adventures and even outdoor adventures, you know, I'll, I'll post hiking and, you know, when it gets that type of season and hunting stuff, I'll post it on the fishing page too. You know, it's not just fishing. Yeah. It's kind of what I call it, but yeah, um, no doubt. That's pretty awesome. You know, we all, you mentioned hiking, man. We all ought to get to go hit Red River Gorge this year, go hike and camp like a weekend it. or something. Hiking Hills too, man. Cause Hiking Hills, Ohio is absolutely beautiful and I haven't been up there yet. So I'm not sure if there's any fishing, but but we can pack, you know, pack some gear and pack a rod and go up there and hit that. I think that would be a blast, man. Yeah. yeah so I'm, me and the wife are big outdoors people and hiking. Uh, like our, our honeymoon wasn't the typical honeymoon going to the beach. We went to Iceland and went, you know, hiking and, you know, driving around the country and stayed out in the cabin in the middle of nowhere and rained dope. every day and was still awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. What did you think about the fishing show today? Did you like it? Well, I, I loved it. Um, I hadn't been to a, you know, sport boat and vacation type show in years since I was a little kid, you know, and it yeah. was kind of cool, you know, we're, 
walking through there checking of course you're checking out the boats you know but i mean going over and hanging out with you guys at the loveland booth was a blast you know meeting mr hoover was was great you know like we talked about earlier super humble guy you know you know the wife was laughing at me earlier she's like jordan you know when when you talk i, I have to pry you away from people you know when you talk to <laughs> And you were scared to death to go talk to Mr. Hoover and said, babe, you don't understand how big that guy is. You know? Yeah, yeah. he's like, a man. I said, it's like talking to the president of kayak fishing, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as soon as, like, I kind of, you know, made a little small talk about the bonafide boat. And after that, dude, it was like, you know, just talking to a normal guy, you know, super nice guy, you know, and uh, very, very blessed to have met him and, you know, met you guys and everything else. And uh, it was just a great time, you know, I'd say. Uh, yeah great community to get involved in too. And, you know, it was nice to see everybody there and to see that many people there too. You know, it was good yeah. stuff. So the first time you and I met, um, you bought the J crate off of me. Yeah. And yeah. I tell the story cause it, it kind of caught me off guard. Cause we, we actually got hooked up on the Jackson kayak owners group and you were asking, uh, there was a post about selling a J crate. Somebody selling one, you were asking if everybody else had one. I had two. Uh, we met up at the city barbecue there in Eastgate. And then you say, Hey man, you know, I'm a fan of the pod and that, it didn't hit me right off the bat. I'm like, pod. I'm like, oh, podcast, like Pat on Thin podcast, you know? And it, the whole thing just, it, it kind of, and I didn't have any stickers, man. Did, you were able to get some stickers today, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. He, got, uh, so, he got some at the Turkey Bowl. Yeah, I oh, got a couple. Did? Okay. Because right that day we had the Turkey Bowl, it was raining that morning, so I stuck them on the boat. They didn't stick worth a darn. Oh, so, no. <laughs> going out, like massaging them back down, like, man, they just won't stick. So when, when Hicks posted that thing the other day, he's like, hey, you know, send me your, like, dude, I need some more. Mine got waterlogged and it'll stick no more. So yeah. stuck a couple new ones on the boat and one on the J crate. So, so today we're at the show, man. And, and, and I, I'm, I get myself in some goofy situations. Like one show I worked, I was talking to somebody <laughs> and I'm chewing gum while I'm talking to him. And I'm like, yeah, this boat. And my gum flew out of my mouth and hit the dude in the shirt pocket. Right. <laughs> And bounce off, and, oh, and, and thank the guy had a great sense of humor. He's like, "Hey, you didn't have to spit on me." Huh? And I'm like, "I'm embarrassed." I'm like, "Jason, you're a freaking dumbass." You know, you're a dumbass. I just use my first name. Not everybody knows me on this show. I don't. I, I think that's the first time I've dropped my first name on this show since I've even been on it. It's usually just Ricketts. So today, two things happen. <laughs> this is great. I, I'm talking. There, there's two gentlemen, and what I'm presuming to be one of the gentlemen's spouses with me right and we're over on the jackson side of the booth and he goes hey man what accessories come with this boat and so i'm like yeah i name off this this and she goes well you need to tell me because i'm like the accountant she's being funny you know because it's like this thing like every woman has to approve what her man buys right so i'm having it she's the, the guys in front of me like you guys are right he's standing right here in front of me and she's here to my left and so I'm chewing gum again. Stop <laughs> chewing gum, Ricketts. Yeah, right? No Stop chewing freaking gum when you're at a show, you idiot. So I turn around and I'm talking to her, and a piece of spit <laughs> leaves my mouth and lands on her mouth. Oh, man. And I'm, and I, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. You know? <laughs> It just goes, Shoosh. and it goes, and it hurts her on her fucking mouth, right? And I, I'm looking at her husband, and he and I are, just, are still having a conversation. <laughs> and then I 
out of the corner of my eye, dude. I see her go. <laughs> and she wipes it off, and she just has this pissed off freaking look, dude. I'm like, no, this is not happening. I was dying, dude. I was absolutely dying. So I'm like, I just want to stop talking to these people. I just spit on this dude's wife, man, like on her mouth. And, then, and so earlier... You know, I love Chad Hoover's the greatest guy, but he'll t- he'll talk your face off, which is awesome. But I was like, man, I gotta take a leak. Chad won't stop talking, so he finally started to stop talking. I was like, bathroom. So I'm going. I'm like, oh yeah, man, finally a break. I'm peeing, I'm peeing, I'm peeing. I feel something just kind of flapping. I look down, <laughs> and the shirts that we had on are really big, right? And I'm <laughs> I'm actually peeing on my freaking shirt, bro. Like. <laughs> So that happened before I spit on the grill. So I was sitting there, I'm looking down. I'm like, I'm whizzing on the bottom of my shirt, man. This is not happening. I had pee all over my hands, you know, pee on my shirt, dude. I'm like, what? I, and so I just, I, I, you know, some dude left the bathroom stall and I ran in the stall and I'm like, took off my jacket or, or took off my shirt. And I'm like, crap, man, what do I do now? So I just carried it out and watered up through the bag. And then an hour later, I spit on some, some chick's mouth. Right. So. <laughs> It was an eventful day for sure, man. It was it was a fun day. Um, I'm the happy best. to have seen you out there. Obviously, the that was so he had told me the gum story like literally a half an hour prior to him spitting right. on this lady's face. And he comes over. He's like, Eldridge, dude, it happened again. And I'm like, you spit gum on somebody? He was like, well, no, not exactly. But I spit spit right into her mouth. And Brad's like, Brad's looking at us like what like what what he's completely he's so confused awesome, yeah and i'm like no way and he so he's like trying not to laugh like you know he's trying to tell the story and he can't breathe and he's like <laughs> and i turn and it just it leaves my mouth like in a perfect arch and lands right on her lip it's super slow-mo <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm like so did her husband see he goes no and we kind of didn't miss a beat and i'm still talking and i kind of looking at her and, and him and i'm trying to figure out who's realize what's happened and um uh, by then i i'm like i've got to walk away dude i'm gonna pee my pants laughing man no jake jake from jackson kayak my my uh team my territory sales manager right uh he was there he saw the whole thing go down so when they had left he was like dude when you were talking to her she wiped her face off he goes did you spit on her i said like, i spit right on her lip bro like it landed right on her lip man <laughs> he goes I've had that happen so many times. He goes, what do you do, man? There's like nothing you could do. I was like, I was thinking about like, should I wipe it off? Like what would that she would, do if I would, oh start God. wiping her lip? That would have been, that would have, that would have put the exclamation point on it. And you just kind of reach out like. This guy right would have me in my face, you know? Oh man, it was great. I get myself in some of the stupidest situations, man, but it was, today was a lot of fun. We're back at it tomorrow. Again, if you guys are, or in the Cincinnati area, we'll be at the Cincinnati Travel Sports and Boat Show tomorrow from uh, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Chad Hoover will be face. there doing shows at 1 and yeah, 3. Make, so. make sure you uh, watch out for that. what's going down tomorrow. <laughs> right. Well, I'm not going to piss shield. on myself. I may spit on you, though. There bring is a possibility. Face shield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, the, gum. The, uh, the demo pool made it throughout today. Did you, could you believe that? So, oh, my God, you guys, the demo pool was leaking like all hell at this show. And we were kind of making side bets on when it was going to blow out. So it made it through today. Hopefully they'll patch it tonight. But it was leaking bad, like real bad. So 
Anyways, yeah. I guess that about uh, wraps it up. Do you guys have anything else? No. Can't think of anything about you, Josh. I'm good, man. I do appreciate you coming on and talking to us, though. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. guys. I'm super, super blessed to have, be on here and talking with you guys and really appreciate the opportunity to hang out with you for a while. Yeah, man. absolutely, man. It was our pleasure. Like I said, you you rep us so much, man, and you're such a just an awesome advocate of the sport. And and I like the way you carry yourself, man. You got a good head on your shoulders. You got some morals. You're not a jackass. I mean, you're my kind of guy. So you're not spitting in people's faces. You don't spit on people's <laughs> wives. <laughs> so other than that, man, tight lines smooth paddling no scratch that we got to come up with something else because brian said that he's tired of everybody taking his lines all right what do we say hmm. Dude, this is your show bro uh, you know what? i think we're gonna run a we we're supposed to run a contest we're gonna post that on facebook we'll make a post when this episode airs so this will air um not this sunday but two weeks from this sunday uh when we drop this and you guys are listening to this, we'll, we'll make the post. You guys drop a comment below of what my outro should be. Something something oh. cool. Yeah, and then we'll, go, we'll send you guys something in the mail. But other than that, you guys take care. It's been a pleasure. See ya. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle, the letter N in fin.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the paddle and fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jigmasters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water.